0: 16-year-old Damian Nettles went missing on a cold, rainy night on November 2nd, 1996, in a town called Cowes on the Isle of Wight, an island just off the southern coast of England. His movements were well documented by CCTV footage up to midnight on November 2nd. That night, Damien had gone to a party with a friend. Later that evening, he and his friend left the party early and headed over to West Cowes, having bought some cider to drink. They wandered the streets for a few hours before parting company sometime around 10.30pm. Damien was last seen on High Street in Cowes just after midnight. When Damien didn't come home on the morning of November 3rd, his family reported him missing. Damien missing was out of character and wasn't taken seriously by the police initially. They said he probably ran off just like boys do. The case, as of 2017, has been labeled cold despite Damien's family continuing to search for him. His mother, Valerie Nettles, whom I spoke to for this episode, vows to never give up in the search for her eldest son. There are rumors that foul play may be involved in Damien's disappearance. After a local drug dealer died in 2002, Rumors circulated that he may have been responsible. In 2011, Hampshire police made 8 arrests for conspiracy to murder, but after an extensive bail period, all suspects were released without charge. When police made the arrest, Damien's case was elevated to a suspected murder. The police searched one property and later reverted the case back to a missing person status. Until new evidence comes forward, police are unwilling to conduct further searches. Valerie, Damien's mother, says the police have been exceedingly hard to deal with and declined to get involved or assist with any searches by the public on the family's behalf or participate in a BBC documentary which aired in 2016. If you know anything about Damien's disappearance, please contact Hampshire Police on 101, quoting Operation Ridgewood. If you prefer to remain anonymous, contact Crime Stoppers at 0800 555 Also, please check out DamienNettles.uk, the website, and the Facebook group, Justice for Damien Nettles. Valerie is also on Twitter, at ValNettles1. I've linked to all of these in the description. Valerie has also written a heart-wrenching book about her experience titled The Boy Who Disappeared, which you can find on Amazon. The episode starts with Valerie talking about her current frustrations dealing with the police, and then we backtrack to get the whole story around Damien's disappearance. Here's my interview with Valerie.
2: Right. Well, I think the more the merrier, the more I get it out there that, you know, that we're not going away, basically, um, and that we're not giving up. And that there's, um, it's it's a a strange word to use, which is hope, but the hope is for. hopes for some kind of a resolution. No no closure because there'll never be closure. There'll there'll just be more questions, but really we just want some kind of resolution. We we want to know what happened to him. We want we want him back. We want to give him a burial and we want him in a place where, you know, we can we can pay our respects to him. I've never realised quite so much how important that is for us to have that, you know, burial process where you know that person, you know, what happened to them and where they where they are, uh, where you can go put flowers and where you can just go chat, you know, if you wanted to. And I just need, I just want that right now. And I, I, I feel like there's, there's information been held back on the island um there's there's been a lot of fear to come forward and and to actually talk. They they will not talk to the police. People won't, you know, they come to me and then they won't say, you know <laughs> they say, Well I won't talk to the police but I'll talk to you. And and the information that keeps coming forward is is a variation on the on the same theme, which could be Chinese whispers, you know, I suppose that's a politically incorrect way of putting it these days. But it's just... I, I feel that there's an element of truth to all of the um, chatter on the island. And I think there's been that there is a definite fear. So I have to wonder why there's a fear of... Um, you know, people talk about this in hushed tones. Um, and so, yeah, I just I just want to make sure that, you know, we don't go away. We're not going away. I, I still feel there's something to be done for Damien here, and um, he deserves better than he's had so far in terms of, you know, the scrutiny that his case should have got and... Um, so we just keep plugging it away and um, hoping that at some point somebody will listen and grow a conscience and tell us, you know, what they know. The unfortunate thing is that the police don't seem to be taking... Well, I wouldn't know because, I I, I mean, Damien's case is now a cold case. I have a cold case officer and um, basically... We were supposed to have a review. We've been having a review the last few years. It's been a cold case in June, and I got a new cold case officer last year, and I can't get any response. I've been trying since April, asking when we're going to have a, a review, and getting absolutely no response. None. Nothing. It's like I don't exist. It's like I'm, I'm just being ghosted. I, I just. I really don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to talk to. Um, I've tried in the past talking to other cold case officers who say, oh, well, we don't know anything about it. You know, you have to wait until Stuart comes back off um, his holiday or whatever, you know, if he's away. But I'm not getting any bounce-back emails saying I'm out of the office or I'm on vacation, so I'm assuming he's still there. But I wouldn't know um, because... I just, I I get no response. So I'm just, I'm just between a rock and a hard place. It's very frustrating. It's exhausting. And um, I just need someone to tell me, you know, whether or not they're looking into some of the information that that has come my way over the past year, year and a half, um, where people have said, well, I wanted to get this off my chest. I just say I saw this, I heard this. There's a couple of really sort of like quite um reasonable things that have come forward. You know that I thought, well, you know that that might be made up. You don't know, but it sounds plausible, and I think the police should know about it because who else am I going to tell? You know. If, if this person said they were in a room and they heard this conversation but didn't say anything at the time because they're scared of the repercussions to themselves or their family, but now they move, moved away um, and, and this particular person had stage 4 cancer and she wanted to clear her conscience before she died and it sounded plausible and so I passed all of that on this last, what, six to eight months ago and... Well, it would have been maybe not quite that long ago if I spoke to him in April. But anyway, I passed on the information several months ago, put it that way. And and I still haven't heard whether or not they looked into it, whether they considered it, or if they kicked it out. And I, I just need to know, you know, I'm sat here hanging on by a thread wondering if any of this had any validity and you know, this person's dying of stage four cancer. So time's time's limited here. So it's very frustrating. This is this is how we've been on and off over oh, twenty six years of Damien's case is waiting and waiting and waiting and having to push and niggle and ask. And um and it's been very, very, uh very tiring. And but it's just, you know, we're not alone because there are other people that I know now who, you know, have children or family members missing um, that have gone through very similar experiences. And it's not just the UK police it's also people i know who who live over here because i i live in the states now um and it's it's it seems to be almost a universal thing where people have this you know a frustration with not getting timely information and and but other people have great a great you know experience so i mean i don't know how like, i guess it's just the luck of the draw who who is on the case so, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much where I am right now anyway, is just trying to plug away and see if we can't, you know, at least keep Damien's story current. That we're not going away and that we still feel that there are some there's some loose ends there that still haven't completely gone away in my mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, and I want to get back to some of those loose ends. If you don't mind, I want to go back to the beginning a little bit. And uh, I apologize, mm-hmm. cause I'm sure you've talked about this so many times. And I know the information is online. But I think it's important for the listener to hear it from from you, because sometimes information will get online, that's not entirely accurate. But I'm wondering what can yeah. you tell me for sure that's relevant and important about uh, what we know about the night that Damien went missing. And, and I'm wondering if you can maybe end that with, you know, how you found out and, and you know, kind of what that was like and what happened from there.
2: So, well, Damien um, had, he was in, in um, Cowes High School and he was doing, um, well, he, he had just moved to another school on the island to do his A-Lab. if well, he'd gone to carisbrook High, but he had been a a student at Cowes High School for Four years and then he had gone and changed schools to do his A levels, and so he'd gone to Carisbrook High School where he had met some kids that you know he he didn't really know very well, and he'd managed to settle in pretty well. Um, but he was out with his friends, like it was half term at the end of October. Um, it was half-term in the UK, so over the summer he had made a, a friend, a girlfriend, um, and he wanted to go and visit her, so he'd gone up to Suffolk to see this girl Gemma. And um, we had driven him up there, which is, you know, fair, fair way, but um, he had stayed with her grandparents, and then he caught the train back um, to, to come home, but he stopped at the uh, Portsmouth University where his sister was actually just... Beginning her as a student at Portsmouth University, and it was on its way because you have to go to Portsmouth to get a ferry back to the Isle of Wight. So that's what he did. He stayed the night there, and um, that would be the Friday night, and he came back on on Saturday. And on the Saturday, that's the second of November, we went shopping. We went uh, with his younger brother James, my, my husband and I. We took them to Newport and. Damien had, um, had a uh, certificate from school for, for doing well on his GCSE, so he wanted to go and buy some stuff, and he needed some school trousers for school, which was starting on Monday. And so and it, so, we, we bought him some, you know, new school trousers, and, um, and while he was in the shop, he bought a, uh, a book on guitars and um, some guitar strings with the with the gift certificate that he had got for doing well on his GCSEs. And so Ed, my husband, and James, and Damien, they went home in the car. I went to get my hair done, and it was a spur-of-the-moment thing. I hadn't really planned on going, but I, I popped in, and they could t- take me. So... Um, I got the bus home, and uh, so when I got home, Damien was ready to um, pretty much go out for the evening, and uh, he said he, he hadn't seen his friends um, over half term, so he wanted to go and see Christopher, his his friend Christopher, and, and go and see, you know, who's doing what sort of thing. And Christopher's younger brother was only fourteen and some of his friends, two girls, were having a bit of a party well, they said a party. It's not it wasn't really a party. It was just a gathering of, you know, teenagers. And there was just there was just Damien Christopher, Davy and these two little girls that were fourteen. So I mean it wasn't like a party at all. And Damien and Christopher got got um bored and they left and they went back over to um to cows and they they have to catch a little boat to go back over the water there there's usually a foot ferry or you know, a car ferry that you can drive onto and it takes you across the mouth of the river from the east cow side to the west cow side but that night the um the floating bridge basically was out of commission because they have an annual um where they bring it in and fix it up and make it nice again. And so they had just a little launch, um, that they caught this launch back over to at the west side. Um, and and um, they walked up into town and bumped into people, which we find out in hindsight that they had seen, you know, people had bumped into them. Because I mean, you've got to remember this is a tiny little island um, on the south coast of England, and it's probably maybe thirty miles by twenty two miles in size and, and I don't know what the population is, but it's um it's a small island, so it's it's off the south coast of the UK. Um so Damien and Christopher, you know, they they had walked back up to Cows and literally it's five minutes from from where the boat was into the, the high street and there were seen by several people, which we find this out, you know, in hindsight. And they were hanging out. And they drank cider. We know that they had bought some cider, he and Christopher. And it was a particularly strong cider called White Lightning, which is very well-known in the UK. Um, and they, so they had been drinking cider. So I guess they are a little worse for wear. Um And people said they remember seeing them both and that Damien didn't seem, you know, unusual, um, particularly. Some people said he seemed like he was a little drunk, which I wouldn't be at all surprised if he'd been having cider. Um, And so they were, like, just hanging out on the high street on a Saturday night. And then it got to be at about 10.30, which we find this out later, um, Christopher uh, said, and we've only got Christopher's word that this is this is what happened because there was no one else there to to say anything. That he um, said that they left, they they started to walk out of town like they were going to go back home, which was literally two minutes up this road. And uh, Daniel said, Oh, I'm going to go back and see if my sister's there. And Sarah who was at Portsmouth University when, you know, he had gone to see her on that Friday, Um, had said, oh, I might come back at the weekend. Well, she hadn't come back when he left the house at 7.30. My husband had dropped uh, Damon off at Christopher's at 7.30ish. And so she wasn't home, and she'd only said, I might, you know, come home. So anyway, he'd got to be in his bonnet, evidently. But Sarah was maybe in town somewhere. And so he went around um, trying to get into some pubs and um, uh, got turned away a couple of times. And uh, so he was seen at around 11, I think it was about 11.30 or, or 11.40 um, he'd gone into a chip shop on the high street that happened to have a security camera inside the shop, uh, which we discovered later. And he seems a little worse for wear, but he wasn't actually staggering, falling down drunk. He was a little wobbly. Obviously, didn't have much change on him, and he was ordering chips. So he gets the chips, and he gives the guy some change, and leaves. But during the time that he's in the chip shop, there was a group of men, older men, that were talking to him, and they were not local. And it, we, it took quite a long time for us to find out, or for the police to actually find out who these these guys were. And the two that they found were actually army officers um, that were training sailing on the island that weekend and they said that they didn't know who the other men in the chip shop were even though they all converse and Damien stood in the midst of them um, like talking to them and then they leave and Damien served and then he leaves and we know in, we know that he walks out of the store and walks a little bit further up the high street because after this all happened, I asked the police if we could look at the street CCTV camera and they were a little bit reluctant, but finally they did let us see that and we did look at that until until we saw Damien show up on the CCTV um, cameras. But prior to that, they'd had an officer looking at the CCTV film footage um, and when we got there, to the it was held at the town council. Offices um, at the say, at the um, marina where they had their um, bank of video cameras, um, and we went to look at that, and they had been tracking the wrong person. It wasn't Damien, so we had to sit there and watch and watch their films until we saw Damien, and he showed up, and that was about well, was just after he left the chip shop because he's walking along eating chips, and he's he's caught underneath the camera, um, and he doesn't look worried about anything. He's just walking along, eating his chips. And these are stills. The cameras are, you know, it's not like a video or anything. And they were a bit grainy, but um, it's definitely Damien. And then we find out from people that Damien had turned around and gone back up to the bus stop and was stood there um, sharing his chips, which, you know, if anyone doesn't know what chips are in the UK, they're French fries. and he had had some you know, he was eating that and sharing them with people at the bus stop. But then he did something which is odd. He got on the bus and said he wanted to go to Cows and the bus driver said, You're in cows, mate. And so Damien got off the bus and stood there. Um and somebody witnessed that he was he was sat on the steps of the um of the store. Um and then he came over to this man who was sat in his car and said, They're watching us, mate. And which is an odd thing to say, but I know that there was a heavy police presence on the high street that night because the police had told me that they had a, um, a soccer game from a team that had come across from the mainland, and they had a heavy police presence because they wanted to get make sure that everybody caught that last boat and that there were no fights or anything like that. So I'm... I'm wondering if you know Damien knew that there were police there, because the man that had told me this got a ticket two minutes after he left and drove back off to go home. Um, he said that he got stopped by the police for running a red light, um, a temporary traffic light that was there. There was some construction going on. And yet... You know, when my son went missing, it it just is odd to me that if there was a heavy police presence there, somebody would have, surely the police would have noticed this boy wandering around. It's the kind of place where, you know, once the pub shut, it's November, um, there's nobody on the high street. There's nobody that, you know, it cleared out pretty quick. I watched that video of the high street and it, it cleared out pretty quick, um, there was nobody on the high street really except Damien that we could see. Maybe another couple, we saw a young couple walking, but um, there was hardly anybody on the high street at that time. So that was just after midnight um, that we saw Damien under the camera. And then he's never seen again by anybody um, that that's, you know, been verified. Um so it's hard to know. Um, I had been told that Damien had you know, been shouting um, and calling up to one of... There's a like a flat over a butcher's shop where there were some young men that, that, that lived there and some local drug dealers were up there and they were doing whatever they do. And Damien had been shouting like a silly 16-year-old that he he probably was being, um, you know, throw me some drugs or something like that, or just drawing attack, attention to the fact that there's this group of people in that flat or apartment um, overlooking the high street, and he was just generally being a nuisance to them. And um, I've I've heard that somebody that was there um taught him a lesson and I've I've had various accounts and I've I've got the um Operation Ridgewood um redacted um report where somebody describes that Damien was his head was kicked like a soccer ball. Um and so I I I do wonder if Damien didn't just get up somebody's nose, if you will, you know, just just annoyed somebody that night and and they took it out on him and went too far. there's been there's another um person said that that he saw these these guys tell a youth up against the wall and were punching him. There were several people come forward to say these these things. And I just have to wonder if there isn't some truth to all of that um, since there's so much come, come forth about it over the years and that that somebody taught him a lesson and it went wrong. And um, I'm sure it wasn't done deliberately um, or, or, you know, um, pre-planned sort of thing, but if you kick somebody in the head like it's a football... You're going to do some damage, and so I have a lot of these visions in my head of things that people have said over the years. Other people have said he was killed, cut up, and fed to pigs. Well, I I have to I have to live with those visions of of things that people have said that that you know happened to Damien, and I have to wonder if there isn't some grain of truth I have so much information that's been given to me and that the police have looked at and there's some things that they looked at that I don't think that they could actually hand on heart say it wasn't true they they, they had arrested it was what 14 years later that they arrested some people and held them on bail for over 18 months some of them they let go sooner and they took one of them to the crown prosecution service but they said there wasn't enough there to charge this person but by then by then it was like 14 years too late you know all of this should have been done within the first few years they should have been i mean when i I reported damien missing to the police um they just said oh all boys of that age do this you know he's just gone off for 25 minutes he'll be home by tea time and I'm still waiting he's not come home and it it was out of character I just it's it's not even like something that he would have just done anyway you know just not shown up or not come home or not called us he had plans what he was going to do on the Sunday plans on what he was going to do on Monday um, and he wouldn't do that. It, it, it just is out of character. It doesn't sit right that he would have just decide to leave and go, he could have done it while he was away in, you know, the week before he'd gone up to Suffolk, which is, you know, several hours' drive away and a boat ride away um, from the island. And he could have stayed where he was up there if he didn't want to come home. And, and he didn't. He came home. He came home and he he waved bye-bye. He said, okay, mum, see you later. And I said, come home and be home by 10.30. And he said, oh, can't I stay out a bit later? I haven't seen my friends all week, you know, because he'd been away in Suffolk. He said, I'd like to see my friends. I said, well, then don't be home later than 12. And if you need a ride, give us a call. And like I say, it was... 15 minutes walking distance from the town um, to where we lived, so it wasn't a it wasn't a long walk. And um, Ed was quite prepared to go pick him up if he needed a ride. Of course, we didn't have cell phones in those days, so he would have had to go to a phone box and call us, but he has done on many occasions. Or if he'd gone to a friend's house and he was staying the night, he would usually call us. If it was very late, he'd call us first thing in the morning and say, I'm at Chris's house. And that's really what we thought had happened when when we found out on the Sunday that he he wasn't in his bed. I thought, oh, well, he must have stayed at Christopher's then. And, you know, he'll be calling us in a minute. And because it was a Sunday, you know, we just... Didn't want to start waking people up, and uh, we left it till about I guess nine thirty, ten o'clock, and then called Christopher's house, and and Christopher said no, I think I, I thought we, he'd gone home because we started to walk home, and then he he doubled back to go into town to look for his sister, Sarah.
0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Um, so everything that we know, all of that is all what we've heard from other people. Obviously, Damien's not here. He can't tell us what happened. You know, we only have other people's accounts and the police seem to discount most of them.
0: Um, um sorry i was just gonna yeah. i wanted to ask one thing before i forget just mm-hmm. that you mentioned there it's going back to those arrests that were made several years later were those arrests mm-hmm. linked at all to any of the men that were allegedly you know um you know that people had said maybe harmed damien that night like but were they the same people that were he was shouting at like do you know if there's any link there or who these men were that were yeah. arrested
2: Yes, that's, that's the link right there. The, the the people that were in the flat that night that Damien was calling up to, one was, um well, two of them were young guys, probably more like my, my daughter Sarah is a few years older than Damien. So they would have been at, at school around the same time that she was. In fact, I know who they are. I mean, they're not friends of Sarah's, but but she knows who they are. Um, they were definitely at school, so they were a few years older than Damien, but he would have known you know it's a very small town. everybody knows everybody, and um they were in this flat, but with them was was a thug basically um he's he's an older guy he was he had kids around the same age as my children. I didn't know who he was back then. I, I had no idea who he was. I didn't know he existed. But I've come to find out over the years, you know, who who he is. Well, then he passed away in 2002 from a drug overdose. He was a drug dealer. He was a small-time thug. You know, he was. He and his associates were were, were well known. You know, their record precedes them for anything, you know, that I know about them. There's a long list of things. I've got paper I've got news cuttings from the local paper that go back donkeys years, you know, with these people having done, you know, antisocial behaviour, theft, drugs, beating people up, that just bad behaviour, just not nice people. And um that was the person who was up there in that flat with the two boys. I say boys, young men, that um, apparently he was fuming, is the word that I've had told me. He was fuming at Damien for attracting attention to the fact that they were up there and the kind of things that they were actually doing, you know, which was drugs. And they, apparently, I, I was reading the police uh, report, um, the, the two boys had girls up there as well, Um I've not heard from any of those girls that were there. You know, never come forward and said, "Oh well, you know, we either saw Damien or we didn't see Damien." Um, and 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 it was a long time really before the police even took those statements from those two boys. And one of the boys, I know, you know, from local knowledge, people have told me. Um, that one of them he is in and out of prison like a revolving door and on drugs and the other one is also, you know, in trouble on on drugs. So it's and they're not the kind of people that Damien knew. You know, none of Damien's friends were that way. They were all kids. You know, they were in school. They were still in high school. They they didn't I'm not saying they didn't do any drugs You know, I'm quite sure that they did pot. In fact, once I found Damien had um, a little bit of pot on him at one one point. So I know that obviously I'd be stupid to not think that, you know, that they would try that. But nothing stronger than pot that we're aware of. There's no one can tell me, oh, I was with Damien and he did anything anything stronger than that because there's no one that's ever told me that. So the pot, I know, and and if it was like cider, I'm not surprised, you know, that he probably got himself into, you know, drinking a bit of cider and smoking a bit of pot. But um, nothing harder than that. He didn't have the money to, um, you know, carry on a... a um, Drug life. I mean, he just didn't have that kind of money. We didn't have that kind of money to give him pocket money to go and blow on that sort of thing. So it's that's highly unlikely. And and that's the boy that I know. The boy that I know was not, as far as I'm aware, into anything. Maybe more than pot. And and he we found it on him the one time put in the Riot Act, told him not to do that again, you know, we didn't approve and and of course he was very embarrassed and um we thought, well, you know, that that's a lesson learned. But Damien you know, I, I I have no doubt whatsoever with you know, if he got another chance to maybe, you know, got offered some pot, he might have had some pot. So and you know, to me it could have been a lot worse than pot. So if it was just part that, that, that he did then um it's a lot worse not a lot you know there's a lot worse he could have done. Can't be too judgmental on that. And I don't know for sure how much pot he ever smoked. I'm just assuming that you know that, that he must have done it at some point. You know, I mean it'd be stupid if sixteen year old they're curious. And um if it's there they'll probably have a go
0: nothing ever came of those arrests like um they weren't able to link anything to damien's disappearance it sounds like they tried but just couldn't like you said it had been too long and they couldn't couldn't prosecute is that kind of what happened
2: pretty much they had um like i say they had a, a total of eight people that arrested in the very beginning um i think six of them were kept on bail over a period of 18 months where they had to answer bail. And then, um, you know, they fell off here and there. They just let this, you know, they, 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 I don't know which, what you call it, but they stopped the bail and they say, well, we're not going to charge you with anything. You can go no further, no further. Th- there's a saying, no further, something or other. Prosecute them, basically. But there was this one, one guy. Who um, evidently had said stuff in 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 front of people um, that that he had some he had participated in Damien getting throttled, you know. And um, so I don't know if that was braggadocious, you know, just getting drunk and telling people that he had something to do with it, or if he was just in his cups and he was telling the truth, but. That's that's all I know is what I've heard people say that he's done this, and I mean I didn't hear him say it obviously, but um, it, I I just you know it, it was it was interesting enough to the police to eventually take notice of what had been told them um, one of the one of the one of the people, one of these drug dealers in town, his um, ex was a police informant at one point, and also she was on drugs. But she she, she remembered seeing the guys bringing in um, something in a in a in a sale bag. She was lying on the couch at the time; she was pregnant, and. Um, had to be on bed rest. So she was on the sofa and these guys brought in um, what was some, something rolled up in a sail bag. I, uh, and if you know, like when when you go sailing, the, the, they, they roll up the sail and they put it in a big canvas bag. Um, so they brought this stuff in. She thought it was stolen goods. And then she found out later, she was told that it was Damien's body. So I keep getting all of these snippets of information the police took her seriously they listened to what she said and then they discounted everything that she said they they finally turned around and said that she was a liar and she'd made it all up well the thing is she was a police informant for years so you would think that she wasn't a liar if they paid her all those years to be a police informant you know who knows what what um, agendas people have but she was very very definite I actually spoke to the woman on the phone and she was a little all over the place but her story didn't falter. Um and so you know we brought this back to the police and that's when they decided to off the back of that information they would make these arrests and I don't know if it was just a grand gesture to look like they had finally done something on Damien's case after all these years and then they put it to rest or if it was, you know, that they did a search, they did an underwater search, there were some ponds um, near Newport on the Isle of Wight. Like there was a quarry, some kind of a quarry there and some sort of ponds around this quarry and so the police divers went down there. There was some, you know, talk that maybe, you know, he'd been thrown in, in this pond and or they were looking for something there and I don't I don't know. I just it it's it's a lot of information. <laughs> I know Edge kind of I'm going all over the place here, but it's it's a lot of information and basically at the the end of the day it's it's a quantity of information. That really didn't get scrutinized until, you know, 14 years after he went missing, which is absolutely unconscionable. It was, well, you know, I mean, I was relieved at the time that they were doing it, that I felt that there was some hope that maybe we'll get some answers here. But... Like I say, the the last man standing went to the Crown Prosecution Service and apparently they said there was enough there to um, do anything. And he was pursued by um, the reporters during that um, documentary. Um, And he's, oh boy, Damien Nettles has ruined my life. And I'm thinking, how could a 16-year-old High school student have ruined your life when you know you were a known drug dealer, a known crook a known you know ruffian that's been in trouble all your life, and my son disappears and it's ruined your life and that was that was what he said in that that series when she finally caught up to him, and he he wouldn't talk to her, he was just like boo-hoo, poor me and um like i say he's the one that had bragged. Apparently, um, to people that he had, he knew what happened to Damien, and that he had something to do with it. And it all goes back to that night where I say that they were seen. That group of guys were seen around town from from information that we've got. Um, it's a little sketchy, but I do know when they went missing. The officer that came to to visit the house after we reported him missing, and um, finally had a detective show up. Um he said yes, there was um a report around one o'clock in the morning. Um behind the Royal Yacht Squadron, which is um a very posh elite sailing club on the Isle of Wight in Cowes. there were voices raised, like a fight, there was shouting and raised voices, um, and the police were called. And I have no idea if the police attended. To that call but he said yeah it was in the middle of the night and I got the impression nobody nobody showed up or nobody went to check it out because he said yeah it was a bit sketchy. It's probably got nothing to do with anything. But then when years later I heard that that there'd been this altercation in, in the street and that Damien apparently had been held up against a wall or a youth had been held up against a wall and his head was kicked like a soccer ball um at some point. I'm thinking, well, who knows? Maybe there's some truth to this. I just, ha- I'm just left here with this weight of um, all of this information, not knowing if all of that's true, but with, you know, with these visuals of my son being kicked to death, uh, chopped up and fed to pigs. Um, someone else said that he was chopped up and put in a lobster basket and said to the fish, um, you know, I mean, it's just, it's atrocious. And and here I am trying to get some kind of response from the police now. Like, are we going to have a, 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 an annual review? And I can't get any, any response. I don't know where to go with it. I don't know where to go with all of this. And it's... Uh, you know, I just still hope that at some point somebody's going to show us where Damien's buried, and then we can actually lay him to rest. And whether or not these people will ever get their just desserts, I don't know, because a couple of, of these individuals have since passed away. Um, one to a drug overdose that we know of for sure, which was a very suspicious death, Um Another one, a couple of others have hung themselves. Um, You know, it's just hard to know if we're ever going to get to the bottom of this ever Um, in my lifetime. I'm 71 now, and I don't feel like, you know, we're ever going to get anything anytime soon, but I keep hoping. So I do these. I, I put out the publicity, and I, you know, I'm hoping... But at some point we will get um some answers. I mean it's like I say, there's a there's a wealth of information and trying to put it together in synopsis is, is very difficult.
0: <laughs> is that why you is that why you wrote the book? Like I, I was curious about that. Like there is a lot of information. Was that your way of putting everything together and piecing it together so there's some sort of documentation? Mm-hmm. Or what was the motivation behind writing The Boy Who Disappeared?
2: Well, I've always written and when I you know, that's my expressive thing. That, you know, some people paint, some people sing, play music. And I've always felt um, that I need to write it down. So I have, over the years, written several things. And finally, we we pieced it all together and made a manuscript and submitted it to the um um publisher and they said, Yes, we'll 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 go with that and so um, you know, I had to tidy it up and change a few things and put it in some sort of better format and I was given some help with that to publish the book. But the reason I did it was because there had been so much misinformation over the years as well. That I felt, as his mum, I needed to put. I needed to say what you know. My story is what I know. I'm his mum. I know this boy. I know this story as best as I can tell you. Um, this is what happened, and and I put my side because over over the years, I mean, the, the publicity you get one thing slightly skewed like they didn't quite get it right. And it becomes a part of the history, you know, mistakes. When people have said things or done, or or written articles or whatnot, and suddenly um, that mistake becomes something that's becomes a fabric of the story. And I'm just like annoyed, you know, that people don't actually come and ask me before they go print something. And then you can't take it back. Once it's on the internet, once it's out there, it's it's gone. So I just wanted to, to write my side of the story. The boy that I know, my son, he went out one night, this silly Billy Damien, out he goes with his friends on a Saturday night and vanished into thin air. And all the police could tell me was, oh, boys do this at that age all the time. He'll be back by tea time. Just go home, and make a cup of tea, and then when I called up later in the evening, just asked them. I said, because I mean, I went down there about three thirty, four 4 o'clock, something like that, and um, went home, and then I called around 7, I guess 7:30, and asked them if they'd seen or heard anything yet. And they, I called them twice, and they said, well, quite frankly, Mrs. Nettles, you're not doing yourself or your son any favour to keep calling us up. We should be out working on the on his case. And I'm his, I'm his mother. I am so scared right now. You know, it's blowing a hoolie outside. It's a, a storm, and and it's raining. And I think he might be lying out there somewhere, hurt or worse. So, you see, my initial thought when Damien went missing it was never any of the story that came came around. I I thought he has fallen hurt himself had an accident like you know he was waiting to be found that was my my only thought that someone needs to get out there and look because he might be lying out there with a broken leg somewhere that's all I thought and then slowly but surely over the years we start getting this trail trail of information coming our way that paints this other picture and um, it's corroborated because you know obviously you know Damien had been calling up and annoying people and 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 so, yeah, you can corroborate some of it because you can say yes, he was there, and he did say this, and he they were drinking cider, and they were at the chip shop and but um I just yeah, I just needed to to actually put my my stamp on Damien's um, being missing, um, as his mum, I know the boy, I know, I know what happened as to the best of my ability. And, you know, the kind of boy he, he is, was, and I didn't want him tarred with just people saying, Oh, well, you know, yeah, well, he was probably into drugs because I don't think he was other than, like I say, maybe the pot, but that maybe cider, that sort of thing. He wasn't an angel, you know, I mean, I've no doubt whatsoever. If he had an opportunity to smoke pot or drink cider or anything, you know, beer or something, he might do that. But he was 16. He was doing his A-levels. You know, he hadn't quit school, so he he was doing his A-levels. He had a desire to go to university. And... He was a sweet and kind, gentle, um, sensitive, funny, uh, loving. Uh he had us his stitches most of the time. He was so funny. He was just he was just a lovely boy, you know? Just a lovely boy. And I didn't like the way he was being portrayed in all of this. You know, but he had some sort of dealings with drug dealers, those people were not in his life that I ever, ever knew of until this sort of, like, came about that he had antagonized somebody and they had taught him a lesson. And I could see that because Damien, when Damien was being silly, I could I could see that, that, you know, he'd get up somebody's nose and they'd be, like, trying to teach him a lesson, you know, because he could be quite silly and annoying. But not really in a in a in an ugly way. Just being a silly billy boy.
0: People listening to this, like, what what can the public or anyone do to help? Like, what do you, what do you need to happen to to find out? You know, ultimately the truth. I mean, is it someone? You know, ultimately giving some more information. Like, what what can the public do to help you?
2: Um, I'm not really quite sure. I suppose pressure. On the police to, um, I, I think Damien's case should not be a cold case anymore. I think that I don't think it should ever have been a cold case. Um, it, there's even been rumours that the police turned a blind eye to some of the things that were going on in cows at the time. Um, some of these people that I mentioned have been um, grasses uh, or. I guess, uh, informants. And so they turn a blind eye to their, what they do. I, I don't know any of that for sure, but this is what, you know, people have told me. And, um, so I think if I would, I would want to pressure the police to put Damien's case back to, um, as it was a suspected murder, because when they did this arrest business, they put, they made Damien's case a suspected murder, which is, I think, where his case should be, not, not a cold case. And there's still too many, like I say, too, too many questions, too many loose ends. But the police just don't seem to want to um, pursue it. I, I'm not getting any response from them um, about the the things people are coming forward even now with. Um, information and, and uh, like I say it's been since April I've not had a word since April from the cold case officer I can't seem to get a response and I don't know I don't know where you're going with that I don't know
0: I think that's like abhorrent that they won't even return your yeah. messages like that's 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 horrible
2: and the thing is Damien Damien's half American his dad's an American and I'm British, and we're stuck together. We've been together now, what, married forty odd years. And um, when we, when David went missing, we, my husband went to the American Embassy in London, and they said there was nothing they could do because, you know, it happened on British soil, and we were resident in the UK at the time, so it was down to the British police. So I, we never had anything like the FBI or anybody like that looking at, you know looking into it. And of course, now it's so old. This case is so old. I don't think anybody would look at it. But I feel like, you know, at the time, back in the day, we should have had something like the FBI because, you know, they they probably would have been more... Um, what's the word? Neutral, I suppose. But, yeah, just... just I, I've asked for... Damien's case to be reviewed by an independent police department. Um, like, it's with a Hampshire constabulary in the UK is where this, this case is held. And so, I, I did, I've done two official complaints and um, every time they end up uh, reviewing themselves, investigating themselves. This is the way it works here. The independent police Commission that you, you IPCC, I think it, I think they might have renamed themselves now. Um, and then you make a complaint. The police department you're complaining about does the review of themselves. So you, it doesn't make any sense to me. I wanted an independent um, police body. Let like even have the Met, the London Met, take the case over and. And go back over it and review it to see if if Hampshire Constabulary did a good job or not. And and they didn't. They admit it. I mean, I've got it written here. In um, they gave me a uh, heavily redacted Operation Ridgewood um, report, which is considering this is like they gave it to me in 2017. It's only got 57 pages. You know, 57 pages for all those years. It's not very much, but no. they've done. Um, but in there, they actually admit uh, that uh, they still don't know what happened to Damien. Uh, he could have fallen. There's no evidence to show that he fell in the water or he was murdered. Um, we received information in relation to him being a victim of a crime or a murder. These lines of inquiries have never revealed any evidence to suggest that this was the case. But they didn't look for, for so many years. And some of the people named by then were dead. Uh, it's it's like, you know, up against a brick wall here. Um But yeah, they admit in this, they admit in here that, you know, that in the early days of this case, things could have been done better, which doesn't help me at all. You know, this is my child. This is not, you know, a dry run. This is, this is the only run I've got. You know, this, this is it. This was, this was the moment when I reported Damien missing for them to actually buckle down, get out there and start rattling some cages and looking for him and not telling me to go home and don't bother them sort of thing. Um, and he'll be home later because all their age do this. Even though I kept telling them, pleading with them, it's out of character. This is out of character. He this is not like him. They need to listen to parents you know and when you say it's out of character and it's wrong there's something wrong you need to listen and not pretend like they know more than you do about your own child
0: anything about Damien's disappearance, please contact Hampshire police on 101, quoting Operation Ridgewood. If you prefer to remain anonymous, contact Crime Stoppers at 0800-555-111. Again, I urge you to check out DamienNettles.uk, the website, and the Facebook group called Justice for Damien Nettles. Valerie is also on Twitter at ValNettles1. Again, I've linked to all of these in the description. Please check out Valerie's book, The Boy Who Disappeared. It is a gut-wrenching story about the search for her son. You can find it on Amazon. If you enjoyed this episode and want to show appreciation, you can buy me a coffee at the link in the description. If you want to support the podcast on a monthly basis, you can head to the Patreon. For five bucks a month, you can add and sponsor free episodes and early access to all new episodes of the podcast. If you don't want to spend any money, but you want to support the podcast, consider leaving me a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Also, you can find the Missing and Unexplained podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening to the Missing and Unexplained podcast.
3: Planning for your next trip?